Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Hasn't this been a great series? This, this one word has been life-changing to me the last four weeks. The word whatever. But I need to confess something. I was in an important question with a friend. And I wasn't really completely clued in. I don't know if that ever happens to you, but my mind was distracted. And he asked me a question. And I knew it was a question I should really wrap my mind around. And all of a sudden, it fell out of my mouth. Well, whatever. But here's the thing. He had heard this series, and I got the look. Have any of you ever gotten the look before from a parent or from somebody that cares about you? I kind of got the tilt of the head, and I got the look, and then all of a sudden, I realized, uh uh-oh, whatever didn't work in the moment. And not only was I caught, but I confessed I wasn't really listening. What about you? Are you really beginning to understand what the Apostle Paul has been saying to us? In fact, let's get the contrast. First, the definition that we've been looking at for these last few weeks. Whatever means, no matter what happens, lack of restriction, Whatever you say, or what will be, will be. Now, let's look at what the Apostle Paul said. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's quite the contrast, isn't it? Because... The Apostle Paul is saying, hey, our thoughts should be higher. They should be greater. They should be true and noble, excellent, praiseworthy, all because Jesus Christ has invaded our minds, is living in our hearts, and we're in the process of transformation. That's really been my prayer for you these last few weeks. Because there's no question that what we dwell on in our minds becomes what we act on in our lives. And let's recap for a minute. Today as we conclude our pairings, let's just think about where we've come from. Pairing number one, true and noble, we talked about whatever is real. Our second pairing combined the words right and pure, and we talked about whatever is good. Our third pairing put together the words lovely and admirable and the incredible story of Mary wiping the feet of Jesus taught us to think about whatever is delightful. Well, let's talk about the last two words. The combination of excellent and praiseworthy. The word excellent means constantly training our minds to focus on moral and godly things, but here's really the strategic emphasis. 
of the word. The word excellent means that I consistently exercise right thinking no matter what my circumstances are. That's a hard one. And then add to it praiseworthy. It means to lift up God, to unite with others in jubilant worship because here is what the Apostle Paul understood. He said, think about such things, but he knew for us to really have a transformation of our minds, we needed to be in relationship with God. So as I was really toying with this last combination, this is what God brought to my mind. We need to focus on whatever is joyful. Oh, wow. Think about it. If I'm going to consistently have right thoughts that are praiseworthy and godly, then my whole life is going to be a life of joy because joy is an incredible gift from God. I was actually thinking about Johnny Erickson Tata. Now, that may not be a name that many of you know. She's been in ministry for a long time, but it's her background that means so much because at 17 years old, she misjudged the depth of the water that she dove into. Because of it, her back was broken and instantly she became a quadriplegic. Now, it would have been easy to become overwhelmed. You certainly wouldn't be thinking about what is excellent or praiseworthy if you're a young person and you think, my entire life is gone. Well, after Johnny worked through all of those things, she created a ministry called Johnny and Friends for the disabled community. Her life is incredible, but it's never been easy. She was at a women's conference. Now, I don't know how it works, ladies, but apparently a lot of talk happens in the bathroom. And she was in the bathroom, of course, in her wheelchair, and one woman looked at her and said, Johnny, I wish I had your joy. How do you do it? Everyone just kind of stopped for a moment. Johnny said this, I don't do it. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. When I woke up this morning, and it's like this every day, I have to breathe deeply. My husband, Ken, leaves for work at 6 a.m., and I wait for one hour for my friend to come at 7 to make the coffee, to get me out of bed, to bathe me, to dress me, and prepare me for the day. And while that's happening, Johnny said this, I say to the Lord, I don't have the joy that I need. God, can I borrow it from you? Then she made this statement to the ladies. Whatever joy you see today was hard won this morning and every morning. Okay, this is the kind of message that can revolutionize our lives. If we just think of this message today as a story perhaps you've heard before from Scripture, then I can tell you that you and I will miss what Jesus is teaching because I believe this. Wouldn't it be incredible 
if every person who was seeking God or who believes in God said to God every day, can I borrow the thoughts that are excellent? Can I borrow the thoughts that are praiseworthy from you, God? And instead of relying on my feelings, I want to be a person of joy regardless of my circumstances. I'm actually going to show you how that this can, this can happen in our lives and we can focus on whatever is joyful. We can focus on whatever is excellent and praiseworthy and we're going to go to a story that is incredible. We know it as the triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and I'm specifically looking at Luke 19 beginning with verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. Here's our first insight. If we're going to be people who can focus on what is excellent and praiseworthy in all of our thoughts, joy begins with obedience. Jesus is getting ready to ride into Jerusalem, and we're told that the crowd will begin to form, but before the crowd ever came to welcome Jesus, Jesus had to get things prepared. Now I know it may seem crazy because to many people Jesus was an outlaw, to so many others Jesus was a hero, but Jesus knew that this was the plan of God. And he sends two disciples to help him fulfill it. He says to two of the guys, hey, um, will you go get a donkey for me to ride? Which I'm sure must have been odd. It was an odd request. Because Jesus had been an itinerant preacher. He had been walking everywhere. We don't see him riding on donkeys or colts. But this time he says, I, I need you to go get this colt, this young, young donkey that's never been ridden. And then you know what blows my mind? The disciples are like, okay. In fact, can I say it? Whatever. Just just Whatever. But Jesus, before they left, gave one simple instruction. He said, if they ask you why you're untying it, tell them the Lord needs it. Now, this is where we need a little bit of help from the Greek language. The word Lord that is used by Jesus is kyrioi. Now, that doesn't seem very important to you, but when they got there to untie the colt, it looked like they might be stealing <laughs> And somebody stops him and says, well, hey, hey, this is an unridden colt. He's young. Why are you untying it? Where are you taking it? And all they respond is, the Lord needs it. Kyrios 
was said. Now, why is this important? If we were Greek scholars, we would be able to see how the words are the same but different, and the meaning is clear. The disciples say the Lord needs it. In other words, it translates, he needs his donkey. You see, God owns everything, and I need us to stop here for just a minute and put the pieces of this puzzle together because it's so important. You and I so often rob ourselves of the blessings that God has for us because we need everything laid out. We want everything explained to us. We, we need to know what that crystal ball is saying, and then we'll follow God. Just prove it to me, God, and I'll do it. This is what I love about the story, because these disciples just begin to trust Jesus as they had been the last three years of their lives in ministry together, and they go and ask for a donkey. It seems so simple, but... Our first insight is crucial. If we're going to have uh, thoughts that are excellent and praiseworthy, joy begins with obedience in what we know to do. Not in what we wish we could do, or what we hope we're going to do, or if God would just show us what we're going to do. Joy begins with obedience in the moment. I was flying years ago, and I was coming back from Orlando, trying to get home to Ohio, and I was routed through uh, BWI, the Baltimore airport, Baltimore, Washington airport. And it was late at night, and there was only one connector flight that would get me home into Dayton. And I was sitting at the gate, and I was reading, as I always do, and um, an older gentleman asked me uh, if I was a scholar. Now listen, you guys know me by now. You knew that answer was no. And I said, no, 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 I'm not a scholar. Well, a professor? No, no, I'm not a professor. Then he said, well, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. Well, let's fast forward a lengthy conversation because this gentleman had just retired from the practice of law. He was very casually dressed. He was excited because he was on his way to Florida to begin retirement. But as we were talking, it was obvious that God put us together. And I heard God say to me in my mind, close your book and engage this man. And then this is what is incredible to me. As we're talking together, I'm explaining the power of God's word. And his wife was a Christian. But he was skeptical. And I said, well, God's word is the most incredible thing. All of a sudden, a young couple I didn't even know was engaged in the story. They were sitting behind the man. As the, the flight was called, they got up, turned around, and the man gave his Bible to the retired attorney. And he said, what that man just told you is true. Please take my Bible. But you know what was so hilarious? I had been sitting at the gate, the wrong gate, the entire time. And I missed my flight. 
I missed it. I called my wife Kay and I said, honey, I won't be home tonight. This was her question. Who were you sharing Jesus with? Now, why do I tell you the story? It's very simple. What are you thinking about? Are your thoughts excellent? Are your thoughts praiseworthy? Are, are, you, are you available to God even when you don't understand all of how the details fit together? The disciples got this colt, this young donkey, and brought the donkey to Jesus, not knowing what would happen next, because joy begins with obedience. Now, the next insight happens as Jesus is entering Jerusalem. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. As Jesus enters Jerusalem, it's the disciples who begin to shout praise. People are coming together. People are beginning to welcome Jesus, those that knew him, those that didn't, and, and the crowd erupted in praise. But I want to show you Matthew 21, 6 through 10, because this is the same story, but it's, there's a difference that's worth putting our, put, uh, grabbing our, uh, in this moment. I can't even say it, I'm so excited. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them, they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? All right. We need to understand that if we're going to have thoughts that are excellent and praiseworthy, and we are developing our relationship with God, there comes a moment when Praise must erupt because joy is, is filling our hearts. Joy is filling our minds. And that's what I love about this incredible story. In fact, when you and I look at this, we begin to realize that whether the crowds understood it or not, they started shouting the names of Jesus. They shouted, Hosanna. The Hebrew word is a cry for help that means, oh, save us, God. They saw Jesus as a savior. They said, son of David, Jesus was riding into the city of kings, and Jesus was the king of kings. 
They knew, the Jews knew, that the Messiah would come from the line of David. They yelled, the Lord. It was another title for the Son of God. And what they realized was that Jesus was the Messiah. And then you could hear as palm branches were waving, Hosanna in the highest. It's a fascinating cry of praise because it's a direct reflection of the angelic visitation to the shepherds on the night of Jesus' birth. The same baby born in, uh, that was born in Bethlehem was also the king of the Jews. And they realized that finally God is with us. Savior, King, Son of God, God with us. Our second insight is incredible. Joy must erupt in praise. Now, I, what would it have been like for you? If you had been in the crowd that day, would you, would you have just kind of hung back and thought, well, whatever, whatever, everybody else is thinking, whatever, it's fine. Or would you have gotten down front? Would you have been waving the palm branch? And, and if Jesus, as he rode into Jerusalem, looked at you, if you had caught his glance, would you, would you have smiled? Would you have shouted at the top of your lungs, Hosanna in the highest? I'm blessed that my dad, Willard, at 89, is still with us. And I have a very fond memory of my dad growing up in church. We would sit as a family, and when songs were sung, when hymns of praise were sung by the congregation, my dad, my dad would sing at the top of his lungs. There was only one problem. My dad can't carry a tune in a bucket. My, my dad would just sing, and the older I got, I knew that I could carry a tune. I was able to sing some harmonies. And I can remember one time being an older teenager singing a great hymn, and my dad was singing so loudly that I couldn't even stay on pitch. But you know what? I remember the smile on my face because my dad truly understood what the psalmist said when he said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Matthew asked the question, who is this? Who is Jesus to you? Is he just a whatever historical figure? Or when you think of Jesus, is he God? Is he your savior? And if he is your savior king, son of God, God with us, then I'm going to just say this to you. The more that you focus your thoughts on God, the more excellent your thoughts will be. And the more excellent your thoughts will be, the more that you have to erupt in praise. And that's why if you see me, 
If you ever see me on a Sunday morning, if you ever watch me anywhere as I go, maybe seeing me drive in the car, I don't know where you might catch a glimpse of me, but as I'm worshiping, my hands are in the air. Now, when I'm driving, it's only one. But my hands are in the air. I'm praising God. I'm singing at the top of my lungs, and this is why. When I... When I know who God is, Jesus isn't a whatever to me. My thoughts are excellent and my thoughts become praiseworthy and my entire body must erupt in praise. And I want to encourage you to do that. He, you're watching online. Don't just say, well, I listened to the message and then stop and don't listen to the worship songs. Don't do that. Listen to the worship songs. Be like my friend Ernie, who when we were talking, he said, I love being online at home now because of COVID. And I said, well, how has that impacted you? He said, I'm still the guy getting up in my living room. I've got my hands in the air. I'm worshiping with the praise team. Tears are flowing down my face. Listen, you can be online. You can be in God's house. You can be in your car. You can be at work. And when your thoughts are full of what is excellent and praiseworthy, you should erupt in praise. And that's my question. Is Jesus your Savior? Are you willing to raise your hands? Are you willing to sing? Is there a smile on your face? Because He is the King of Kings. But you don't have to. And that's our third insight, Luke 19, 39 through 40. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Zechariah 9, 9 is a prophecy of what would come. Long before Jesus ever rode into Jerusalem, Hundreds of years before, Zechariah, empowered by God, prophesied, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The Jews had been waiting for this divine parade for centuries. Many people, when Jesus rode in, even though they didn't understand all the components of his coming death and resurrection, they celebrated. But there were bystanders in the crowd whose thoughts were far from excellent and praiseworthy. In fact, I don't know how it happened, but this is how I picture it. Jesus is writing. The crowds have gathered. The whole city is astir. People are asking, who is this with joy and, and praise? But somehow, a couple of Pharisees, teachers in the law, who had read Zechariah 9.9 and saw it unfolding, somehow they must have gotten up close to Jesus. And this is what they had on their minds rebuke your disciples and knock it off the word rebuke means we expect you to severely reprimand all of these people because you're not the messiah 
Jesus' answer is classic. If my disciples keep quiet, the stones are going to cry out. Now, I have to tell you, I'm glad the disciples were, were shouting and crying out, but I would have also liked to have seen some stones and the look on the faces of those who didn't believe. Jesus could have easily blown them off and said, oh, whatever, you don't get it. He didn't. Jesus remained determined. He soaked in the moment that God the Heavenly Father had orchestrated. Now think about it. He knew he was going to die on a cross. He knew how violent this death was going to be because he was totally human and yet totally divine. And yet Jesus in that moment, even in his own mind, thought about what was excellent and praiseworthy. Our third insight is clear. Joy reveals our hearts. You know people like this. You, you know when somebody tells you that they love God, but they're always negative. Somebody says they're a Christian, but they're, they're always judgmental. Where's the joy? You see, joy reveals our hearts when we are thinking about what is excellent and praiseworthy. And that's not just for Sundays. We should be thinking about what is excellent and praiseworthy every day of the week. And joy reveals our hearts. You've known people before who say one thing, but act in a different way. If we're going to be believers who think on the things that Paul told us to think on, things that are true and noble, things that are right and pure, things that are excellent and praiseworthy, then the transformation must happen in our minds because Jesus is living in our heart. And that's my question to you. Regardless of your circumstances, are you really allowing the joy of the Lord to become the transformational strength that you need to be a person that is attractive to others that need to see God? I like what Rick Warren said. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. We need to focus on whatever is joyful. Because joy reveals our heart. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about a wonderful hymn that I love, Amazing Grace. And I was thinking about another hymn that has been a part of my life, all my life. Horatio Spafford lost everything in the great Chicago fire. He lost his wealth, his prestige, as so many people did in the 1800s when that devastating event occurred. And so he said to his wife and four daughters, let's, let's go back to see our family in Wales. Let's go to England. And they said yes. But right before they boarded the ship, he got word that he was urgently needed still in the United States. So he stayed. He sent his wife and his daughters on. And just off the coast, there was a horrible accident. And the ship that Spafford's wife and daughters were sailing on, sank. 
Horatio got this cable. All four girls lost. Only I survived. Come as quickly as you can. He boarded the next ship. He sailed. And as they got closer to the shores of England, he said to the captain, tell me when we're over the waters where my four girls perished. When the captain told him, he went down into the ship and took a pen and paper in hand, and he wrote these incredible words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Is that you today? Is it well with you? We've been in this series called Whatever for several weeks. And the theme is pretty much the same. Regardless of the pairing of the words, Jesus wants to take over our hearts and minds as Savior and Lord. And he wants us to think on the things that glorify him. This morning, my challenge to you is to come to God sincerely every day this week and ask to borrow his joy. Ask for the gift of God's presence so real and so incredible that you erupt in praise. And know that whatever your lot, God wants to teach us to say, it is well, it is well with our soul. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful for my friends on, on, on this time together as we share, even though we're not in the same room, I just know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are invading our minds and our hearts right now, and we don't want to be people who just say whatever. We want to be children of God who learn how to be full of joy regardless of our struggles because we know, Jesus, that you're with us. And for any friend, any person seeking you, any person who doubts if you even exist, God, I pray for this audience, this wonderful family. And I ask, Jesus, let the joy of the Lord overwhelm us and become our strength in the days ahead. And may we ask for your help as never before. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you so much. You're incredible. Thank you for being a part of this series. And I'm going to keep praying for you. And if you need us, just chat with the people that are online with you. Uh, explain what God is saying to you. Reach out if you need help to find out who God is and share your praises with us. Tell us how God is filling your life with joy. And until I see you again, take heart and be transformed. I love you.
Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.